What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show. Today, I'm a little bit more struggle than flow. And that's the point of this show. It's a process of getting from struggle to flow. Today, I show how I do that. Let's go. Honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I'm just trying to repurpose pain. Make lemonade out of lemons. Just find a message in my mess. There's many times I come on here and the work I do in preparation is trying to take the struggle, something I'm battling with, thinking about constantly, something that I feel defeated by, something I feel trapped in. And in preparation for an episode, I'm trying to further that exact thought into something I can prescribe to myself out loud and share it with you who listen. I am, I am no pinnacle of application. I am merely crawling from inside the ditch, trying my best to make my way out and wanting to not do that alone, wanting to bring others with me on the climb up. There's many times in the grip of pain, I just want to come on here and share those defeated stories, the narratives that I ruminate on throughout the day these very narratives that I somehow flip into a positive, somehow move into the light, further into salvation of some sort, through the attempt in preparation of this expression. It's literally a battle of me versus me, in which one of us actually has to step in and break up the fight and offer some of a path forward, some least destructive path forward. Many times I need these words to come out of me as a form of my own healing guide to even change my thought patterns, to find something that might disrupt the pain, the cycle. And because I know I'm not alone in this ditch, I hope it may offer some form of service to others who are just as broken as me. I wake up daily with a pit of anxiety. There are many days I find it difficult to just wake up, to get out of bed. Sleeping offers a tempting, expedient band-aid to the realities of my life. Although not completely, because many of the demons I fight when I'm awake can, and can consciously navigate when I'm awake, haunt me and visit me in my dream state in which I have no active control. So at times, sleep is the opposite of a band-aid. It's more like salt on the wound. The escape becomes more painful than the hurt itself. I try my best to view this hardship as a source of energy 
asking me to divert my actions into actions that will lead less and less to days of dread. I go back and forth between having gratitude for the present moment to practically thinking of the past and future in a way to curb my actions to actions that will serve me better and lead to better days. Just trying to figure out what I need to do or be to have better days. I try to experiment and share, share and experiment. It is this process, this positioning. Right now, I'm somehow responsible to play a part in my father's cancer treatment back to health. And others give me credit for the great job I'm doing. My mother thanks me for doing what I'm doing. Maybe it's because I'm here so far away from my home and it looks like work to them. But to me, all I see is how I'm feeling how I can do so much more, how I want to escape half the time, how I do on days when I sleep to escape, how I wish for things to be easier, more convenient for me. And maybe I am doing something just by being here, just my physical presence instead of my father being alone in another part of the world going through all of this by himself. Maybe I am doing something by just doing that. But I look up to my friends and people who become disease experts, cancer experts, and redirect their entire life to bring their parents back to health. And I don't feel that I do that with as good of a spirit as I can. I don't feel I deserve any credit compared to these people. I fall short by a mile or more. You see, the problem is we know are ugly too intimately, too up close. We don't see what others see in us. We see everything that they see, but then it's affected by all the different moments that they don't see, but we see that are not as pretty. We can see all the sad truths of our thoughts. We can see the gap between who we can be and who we are so up close that it's scary to see that gap. And it doesn't let us live. I see in all the ways that I'm failing, all the ways that probably interrelate to everything else about my life. I have to see forward progress in my career, make more money. I haven't been doing all that I can to do this. Sometimes I hide behind the excuse of my current life situation. But I know me in the future will not accept any of these current constraints He will only feel the regret and the time lost. And although it's difficult to balance, I try my hardest to feel somewhat accomplished by the end of each day. Or I feel really bad about myself having wasted a day in life. But still, I have nothing to show for that forward progress. And it compounds my dread 
and it takes me away when I should be fully present for my father. Or just myself to make the most of my life. I feel like my youth is being spent with so much of my future uncertain right now. I came here eight months ago with one gray whisker in my, in my beard, my chin, that my mother pointed out at dinner. That's the only reason why I know it was there because every day she pointed it out and made fun of me a little bit and said, hey, why is, how come you don't cut that one? Why is that one sticking out? And almost a year later, eight months later, I have multiple that are slowly creeping into the rest of my beard. The level of cortisol in my system alone is aging me faster. But I try to tell myself that it's for a good cause. And I can't escape aging anyway. I could have just been escaping doing nothing or sitting comfortably, not doing something meaningful. So why not do it in the pressure cooker of pursuing something meaningful or some goal or being there for my family through a difficult time? Maybe that's worth the youth spent. But all of these things compound and take me away from this present moment. This presents me the work that I need to do on my thought process. What good does it do for you to hear about my woes? What good does it do for me to focus on this ugly? What good does it do me to dwell on it? The only thing that makes the pain worth going through is hoping I can find some glimmer of constructive or productive purpose in it that may help someone who listens and help me the most. Sharing on here and preparing for it forces me to do the work so I don't come from a place of feeling stuck and more from a place of creating a path forward regardless. In this way, the positioning of a problem is forced to be productive. I'm definitely tempted when lost in the pain to just constantly reclaim and revisit the pain. Just keep reiterating and feeling sorry for myself. There's a form of addiction in it. A form of feeling something, feeling alive and dead at the same time but it doesn't help towards any resolution. I don't see how I'm getting any further in finding the point in it all, the meaning in that suffering, by reclaiming and revisiting that pain. So almost with brute force, I try and suggest to myself ways in which I might find peace. I constantly offer suggestions to myself in this expression and preparing for it so I can adjust my thoughts to be something more productive. It doesn't necessarily have to be right, my suggestions. They don't have to be right enough to get me fully to the end or out of pain. It just has to be enough to get me unstuck. So I just try to propose solutions to these crazy thought patterns. These thought patterns that can make tragedies worse with my own painful, addictive worship of them. I keep them around in some perverse sort of way, and the only way out is 
experimentation and trying on different solutions for size. I want to cry about these similar things to my journal. I write my morning pages, three pages a day, and I constantly revisit these thought patterns. But I attempt to do the same thing there. I try to take it one step further and say, maybe it's because of this. Maybe you can try that. And I pose different solutions and understandings to these recurring problems and hope that I can find some key to match the problem set. All we can do in life is experiment with different actions and different modes of being. There's a solution because on top of me working through my own mindset inside, internally, you have to look for, because you can't solve a problem from the same level that created it, from the same level of understanding that created it. So you have to look for some clues from the outside. You don't live long enough to make all the mistakes. You can't live long enough to make all the experiments happen. So a solution that I'm currently trying to help me productively manage and position all these different disturbing, painful parts of my life that rob me of my energy, a solution that I'm trying from the outside is understanding and applying what Eckhart Tolle says, that there are no such things as problems in the now. Our life situations is what he calls all the things that I'm complaining about, all the things that affect me. They may be full of problems. Our life situations may be full of problems. But no problem exists in the moment when we are fully present. There may be problems 10 minutes from now, tomorrow, but in this exact moment, which is really all we have when divorced from this burden of the future or the past, in this now, we have space, room to find life underneath our life situation, underneath all this chaos. And to practice, he writes a passage which I need to refer back to constantly that helps us connect to the now, that helps us escape what we call problems, what my mind ruminates on, that I find need to repurpose. The best way to do that is to access the now. And it's very difficult, but this passage helps me. And if we could do this together, he asks us to use our senses fully. Use your senses fully. Be where you are. Look around. Just look. Don't interpret. See the light, shapes, colors, textures. Be aware of the silent presence of each thing. Be aware of the space that allows everything to be. Listen to the sounds. Don't judge them. Listen to the silence underneath the sounds. Touch something, anything, and feel and acknowledge its being. 
Observe the rhythm of your breathing. Feel the air flowing in and out. Feel the life energy inside of your body. Allow everything to be within and without. Move deeply into the now. And like meditation, this practice of accessing the now, which many of us have experienced when we have these timeless moments that come to us that are fleeting, that sometimes visit us for 60 seconds and we forget where we were, we were so engulfed in flow. This practice, like meditation, brings us to the hyper-present where nothing outside of the now exists. Now, I find this very hard to achieve unless I read this passage and follow along. That's why I read it out loud. We have in the now all facilities not limited by the mind and its obsession of looking through this narrow scope of time, the past and the future, where we can summon all that is necessary to deal with any catastrophe or emergency at hand. When an emergency comes up, we forget about time before and after. And we can access almost superhuman abilities to handle that catastrophe or emergency. It is only when we are not in that moment or fully present in the now or worrying about that in the future do we feel worry and fear that we might not have what it takes. It is my mind that causes me to suffer. The fear and all the emotions that it births. There is no disturbance caused to the me that I can access through this passage practice. This passage helps me access such a serene place. And I'm trying to figure out how to be in it more. I realize this practice is the way through. And experimentation of possible solutions is the way through. A blend of practical with the spiritual. When one is more distant, the other one must come forth. Practically, you have to be your own coach, your own motivational speaker. But you have an advantage. You can be the one who is precisely attuned to the heartbeat of your specific life situation, your specific problems. Who else can give you the pep talk you need other than yourself? The best one. The exact one that you need. Only you can mediate yourself off the ledge. The one you constantly find yourself back on. It is your habitual doing that brings you there. And only your own effortful mechanisms that will negotiate you off. It cannot be outsourced. Mel Robbins, in her new book, discovered in the heat of one of these mind attacks, a habit she prescribes that helped her uplift herself out of a negative state into a state of productive action. She calls it the high five habit. Giving yourself a high five in the mirror. We have a strong positive association with giving high fives as a form of encouragement. 
and doing so for yourself in the morning in the mirror before leaving the bathroom can serve as a positive reminder to your own sense of self. Many great performers look at themselves in the mirror and affirm and remind themselves of their great qualities that they will surely perform with. They leave no doubt. David Goggins has what he calls an accountability mirror to keep it real with himself. He doesn't use his mirror to give himself pep talks and tells himself that he's the best. Instead, it's a real conversation for him about what he's willing to live with. He holds himself accountable in that mirror. He reports to himself on what he is and what he wants to be and uses that mirror as a catalyst to the decision that will serve that becoming. When in need of a positive affirmation in the heat of the battle, he does have what he calls a cookie jar that, that can help him access prior examples of winning to give himself that pep talk. So it's not that he doesn't have some tool like that as well, but for him, looking in the mirror serves as a way of pointing out to him where he's failing and asking himself, will you be able to live with yourself continuing to look at yourself in the mirror if you continue to fail at that thing. In a way, that's what this practice is for me. That's what this podcast is for me. That's what preparing for it is for me. I just try to get myself to say things and think things I know I need to hear. It's a way of getting outside of the bottle. It's a way of detaching myself from the personal emotion that comes up from my life situation and looking at myself as somebody who, if I cared for them, what would I say to them in the same situation? Looking for the same things. There's many times I listen to my own old podcasts and I'm reminded or inspired to take something into account that I've forgotten or I'm not living out fully. I'm probably doing it right now. The point of this entire thing that I'm playing out, that I'm saying here, that I'm referring to, is that your positioning matters. And it must be productive. You have to reframe everything. Every challenge can be an opportunity for growth. Every feeling can be a pathway to further understanding about what actions you need to take. Every bit of anxiety is a clue on what steps must be taken next, what your body is telling you. It can be a mirror into what you actually want. If you want the kind of life few get to experience, you have to be willing to bear burdens few would. You can't have the same success if you don't share the same problems. We are never fully free of the aches of our human condition. But there are people who look freer. And the ones who look freer and feel freer are ones who have learned to position their pain productively. No matter the burden they are bearing, they do it with a smile. I love you, my family. May you find peace in the pain and purpose in the process. See you in the next one.